All right, what's going on? AJ, let's talk sports. What's up? It's been a little bit, but here we go. So hopefully, I don't. I have a new phone, and I can't find the jack to put uh, the earpiece in. So hopefully, you guys can hear me good, and hopefully the background noise isn't overtake me here. But had to get a new phone, broke the phone, slid right off my face. I was, I was really upset about it. Um, but we're back in action. So Ohio State football, this is going to be an all Ohio podcast, all Ohio, a podcast, baby. So all my Ohio people, because I'm coming back home soon. I, you know, y'all know if you've been following me, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, but got a couple job opportunities down in Ohio. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, we'll be there by next week or at least two weeks from now. So this is coming from the old Ohio State coach way back in the day. Jim Trestle. I don't know if you guys remember that. Here's a quote here on Michigan. I hope I live long enough for that day when we're over 500, then I can go to sleep happy. Of course, he's talking about um, the rivalry with Ohio State and Michigan. So, because because Michigan actually has a better record than us overall. So he's trying to he's saying that we need to get back to that. We're getting close. We're getting close. So I think what is it? Um, Ohio State currently trails 58-51 and six all-time in a series officially. So we're only seven games back. When Trestle took the job in Columbus, that gap was 56-35. and The Buckeyes have never led in the series. Michigan jumped off to a 13-0-2 lead, and the rivalry at Ohio State has been playing catch-up ever since. So back in the day, there you go, Michigan fans. You guys went 13-0 over the Ohio State Buckeyes. That was probably back in 1890s. <laughs> it's been a long time for you guys, you pieces of shit. Anyway, sir. Trestle did his part kicking off two decades of dominance that Urban Meyer continued with a 7-0 record of his own. Now it falls to Ryan Day, uh, who's already off to a solid start, 56-27 win in 2019. So... Again, this is 11 Warriors. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm busting up 11 Warriors for you guys, and you can join the conversation on here. Just type in 11 Warriors on Google, and then there you go. Type that in. This is by Kevin Harris. What's up, Kevin? This was uh, yesterday, I believe. So, there you go. All right, now we're going to stay in, stay in Ohio, and then we're going to go south a little bit, talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati Reds, 25 and 29. So far this season is not too bad and not too good. They started off like on fire. But I'll tell you what, Jesse Winker is a freaking stud. Freaking stud. I love the Wink Man. Anyways, they're playing at St. Louis today at 7.15. I think that's central time. It's at 8.15 for you guys in East. So, and Cardinals are 31-26. and Then they're having like a Reds-Cardinals uh, matchup here. And then they play tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So it seems like every time I go to a Reds game, it's always against the Cardinals. But I'm, I'm not going. I probably won't even go this year. Who knows, depending on if I get back to Ohio or not. Uh, so there's Cincinnati Reds, St. Louis, odds and predictions. Um, they play today for a four-game series at Bush Stadium. First pitch will be at 8.15 Eastern time. Then there's like a bet MGM Sportsbook lines if you want to go on there. Then there's MLB picks and predictions. Uh, Luis Castillo is projected starting pitcher for the Reds. He has 1-8 with a 7.22 ERA. It's freaking horrible. Step it up, Luis Castillo. What are you doing? Get rid of him. Bye. Trade him. Let's get somebody else. Anyway, 1.78 
whip 8.3 Ks and not per nine innings. Four ba- uh, ba- uh, babies, ba- bases on balls, whatever. Um, over 52 and one third innings pitch and 11 starts. Uh, I would, I, I don't know, they're trying to like pitch him out and hopefully that he'll get better or something or what. He's 28 years old, struggling mightily, it says. His control problems is a big reason. Um, so, yeah, a 7.22 ERA is horrible and a 1 and 8 in starts. That's not good. That that pretty much means we're going to lose in the first game of the series against St. Louis Cardinals. So we got a left-handed pitcher, Quang Hyun Kim, is for the Cardinals. He's one and three. He's not doing very good either. Three point six five ERA, one point four one WHIP, eight Ks per nine, two point nine bases on balls for the nine, and thirty-seven innings pitch over eight starts. So it kind of it might it definitely on the pitching duel, the starting pitcher duel, it definitely favors the St. Louis Cardinals. He was solid on April 23rd against the Reds, allowing only one earned run in five and two-thirds. So, looks like uh, it's going to be a tough one already today. There's like bets. Bet just $1. Either team's money line win 100 bucks and free bets. Like, that's pretty cool. But I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to do that because I don't, I don't put my money on the Reds. Here's the money line. Reds plus 110. Bet 100 to win 110. So, that, that ain't even worth it. Cardinals minus one thirty-five. Bet one hundred thirty-five to win a hundred. That's not worth it. This game is not worth putting any money on. I tell you that much. Against the spread, Reds plus one two one point five over under eight and a half. Um, minus one hundred five under over and one one fifteen under. So there's your money line. I don't know big money predictions right now. Here's the prediction: Reds four three. So that's kind of surprising. Cincinnati has allowed five point four runs per game, which rank last in MLB. And the bullpen has been a major culprit in those problems. However, both bullpens are exhibiting signals of different things on the horizon. So, bullpen sucks. Uh, allowing too much, too many runs. So, there's a problem all around with the Cincinnati Reds organization in pitching. Someone needs to get a good pitching coach in there. Ha! Who's the pitching coach? Fire his ass! Oh, I'm just playing. So, take Cincinnati plus 110. You probably only get like 10 bucks back. So, it's not like you're going to be winning all kinds of money over under. So, Chris, crisscrossing bullpen analytics and some batting indicators for both sides swing the total. Eight and a half runs. Respect Publix here uh, in a pass. Play free daily sports pickups contest. That's all this bullshit that uh, I'm giving out free information to these people that are going to be probably making 10 times more money than I ever made in my life. But. I do have Cincinnati in this game. Luis Castillo plays a little bit better, but Reds win. Now we're going to be bouncing back and forth, north, south, north, south, north, south on in Ohio. Started out dead center in Columbus. Then we went to Cincinnati. Now we're going to Cleveland. So if you can find out the theme here, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Cincinnati. There I go. I ruined it. So Cleveland's 30-24. and 24. They're playing the Orioles abysmal 19-37. and 37. At Baltimore today at 6 o'clock, which is 7 o'clock Eastern. So they're second in the AL Central, so that's not too bad. So there you go, Cleveland, doing pretty good. Um, now, here you go. This is what everybody in, probably in Cleveland and the Cleveland Indians fans and organization are probably wanting to talk about. All the politics stuff that go behind. All the BS about this politics and name-changing stuff. So are the Cleveland Indians any closer to revealing their name-change options? Okay, this story is from Joe Noga from the Cleveland.com. This was today updated just just probably an hour ago or so. It actually just was updated a little bit ago. Um, 
you can register here for Indian stuff for only three ninety nine a month if you want to do that in the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. But anyway, why am I promoting all that? I have no clue, but I give love. I spread love through everybody. So the Indians revealed Thursday that they considered nearly 1,200 options for a new team name during their ongoing search. But the Washington football team cannot do that? That's funny. Cleveland has 1,200 options. The Washington football team has the football team. But this week's news did not come with a list of candidates nor a timeline of when fans might know what the team will be called next season. Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga look at what could be next in the name of the process. So they're talking about all their crap. Other topics covered on Friday's show. that they're, This is all their show stuff. So I guess apparently let me just do my own thing about this because um, I'm done looking at that article. So the Cleveland Indians, your thoughts, all my Cleveland Indian fans, Cleveland Browns fans, I know my cousin's a big Cleveland Browns fan. If you're listening to this podcast, and if any of you are listening that like any part of Cleveland at all, please feel free to comment, like, share, subscribe, follow, do whatever you want to do, and just let me know what do you think the Cleveland Indians should be on their um, you know their new mascot or team name and all that crap so what do you think and 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 is also another question too on top of this do you think all these other teams uh professional teams are going to follow suit like the braves is that a bad one you know geez seminoles or whatever like you're not gonna be you're gonna get, get rid of all these names i'm not even gonna get upset about it anymore it's just all this leftist bullshit but anyway all right, so Cleveland to Cincinnati. Cincinnati Bengals staying in the NFL, or going to the NFL now. We're going to NFL now. So Bengals, it says Bengals in the playoffs, question mark. One expert outlines how it can happen in 2021 with Joe Burrow, a healthy Joe Burrow, I think that can happen. So I'm not really big on the Bengals, but if they do good, I will. I'm kind of a fair, a fair weather Bengals fan. Um but don't hate on me because of it. I can be like that, I guess, because Ohio from Ohio. Cincinnati Bengals making the playoffs in 21 makes a pretty interesting discussion. So much so, now isn't the first time it has come up since onlookers have noticed a strong offensive cast behind Joe Burrow. Like I said, Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, for example, just dedicated big space to the idea in a new column while fielding questions from readers as if the Bengals can make the playoffs. Breer listed this as one of the big ticket items to success. Here's a quote. Here's a quote right here. Coming off a year, coming off, a, coming off a year off. That's weird. Jamar Chase will need to be the number one receiver he was at LSU, which the Bengals had missed with AJ Green decline. So good sign. Justin Jefferson's rookie year showed the learning curve coming from Joe Brady's offense in Baton Rouge and manageable is manageable. That's the big point, of course. Beer also noted several other important items like Burroughs injury, cornerback. Okay, so oh, AJ Green has declined. So Jamar Chase, hopefully he does good. If Jamar Chase does good and steps up like they think, like the Bengals organization thinks that he's going to, then it could be a definite possibility. Definite possibility. Six most important games on the Cincinnati Bengals schedule in 2021. And it should be the list here. Let me see. There it is. Oh, this is a different article. But week one, playing the Vikings. September, uh, what? You guys are playing Thursday? Is there a doubleheader on Thursday? Because I, I thought the Cowboys were playing 
Joe Burrow runs the ball during the first half of the NFL football game, Cleveland Browns. Oh, this was last year. It was a bit, it's a picture. My bad. My bad. So they got week one versus the Vikings. Then you have week three at Pittsburgh against the Steelers. And then you got week four with the Jaguars. That's a Thursday night football game. And then the Raiders. And then Steelers again. So those are the big matchups. And then at Cleveland at the end of the season. Oh, yeah, they're having an 18-game. I forgot they're having an 18-week season this year. So it's a 17 games this season. I totally forgot about that. I haven't been keeping up on my NFL. What's going on, boys? So as long as they got, I think they signed an acquisition of an offensive tackle. I think the left tackle, I believe. So hopefully he, if he can do well protecting and the line can do well protecting Joe Burrow and A.J. Green can step up a little bit and that Jamar Chase, I'm kind of looking to him to have a breakout season, his, his rookie season. It can happen. So we'll see. So I'm, I, I would, wouldn't it be crazy to see um, Ohio State or uh, Ohio State? It would be crazy to see uh, Cincinnati and Dallas in the playoffs. I'd love to see that. But who knows? What's the what's the possibilities of that? Chances? No? Sport bets? Bookies? What's up? All right. Now we're going back north to Cleveland. Three early takeaways from Cleveland Browns OTAs. This was just an hour ago. These are This is right in the mix of all the stuff going on in Cleveland. And let's see if Cleveland Browns can do anything. They're in the midst of their voluntary OTAs, and we have already seen a few positive stories servicing during the workout. Unlike last year, the Cleveland Browns have been able to get together and put in some workouts this offseason. Not long after the draft, they had the rookie mini camp, now the OTAs. They haven't been a ton of workouts just yet. And since it is voluntary, not everyone has shown up, but that doesn't mean we can't get some good tidbits from Berea. Here, we look at three early takeaways from the Browns OTAs. And this is when you go into a like nice <laughs> number three starting offense hasn't made the trip, but could soon Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com broke down how many players were in attendance. And in doing so, she pointed out that many of the offensive starters were not working out. Of course, this could be one of those things that gets social media talking as questions and are raised about why leaders such as Baker Mayfield and Landry are not there. Having said that, the main thing to remember is that this is voluntary, like they already said it's voluntary. Where's number two? Come me, take me to number two. Number two, Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams are back. So I don't really know them. I'm not a Cleveland Browns guy, but they're, the secondary was a mess in 2020. The biggest reason for that was a rash of injuries that seemed to never end. So if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so they're, Del Pitt and Williams are back. That's all I got to say. Denzel Ward missed time. Ronnie Harrison missed time. Kevin Johnson missed time. Carl Joseph missed time. So their secondary was just botched to hell all season last year. So in addition to those players, who were all key contributors in 2020, Cleveland lost two potential starters before week one. Both second-year player Greedy Williams and rookie Grant Delpit were hurt in training camp and missed the entire season. Delpit suffered a torn Achilles, whereas Williams was lost to a nerve injury in his shoulder. So hopefully, they'll be back in 100%. And here is a nice little quote. Brad Stainbrook, I don't know who you are, but here you are on Twitter with the Browns. Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit at OTAs today. So everybody's excited. 
All the Cleveland Browns people are excited. So kind of anxious to see what happens. So number one, here we go. There's, I told you there's three takeaways. We went through one and two. High praise for JOK. Don't know who that is? Jock, jock. We already get to see, got to see Jeremiah Owusu Kuramoa hit the field during rookie minicamps, but now he's out there with veterans, and it's still apparent that he belongs in this league. So don't know who that is. It's obviously a rookie that you guys picked up there in Cleveland. But I guess they call him JOK. Got some work in with teammate Anthony Walker and the former Indianapolis Colts linebacker was impressed with what he saw. There is some quotes here. If you want me to read it, I will. Quote, elite athlete, as far as explosiveness, quickness, speed, instincts, and all of that stuff, he has it. All the tools. Now it's about transitioning the game to the NFL level. I've struggled with it. We all struggle with it coming in from college, and now you're seeing a pro-style offense and understanding different route concepts and all that stuff. This was uh, Walker via Mary Kay Cabot. That was Walker. So, let's see. He was Darius Leonard's teammate, second-round pick, 2018. Leonard has 163 tackles, seven sacks, two picks as a rookie. He had another 121 tackles, five sacks, and five receptions in year two before scoring 132 tackles and three sacks last season. This is talking about Darius Leonard. But... I guess they're comparing him to Awusa, Kuramoa, whatever. So we put Leonard is an absolute playmaker, and if JOK ends up being anywhere close to that level, he performs at Brownsville fans will be ecstatic. So there you go. There's your top three uh, takeaways from the 2021 Cleveland Browns OTAs. Will the Cleveland Browns make the playoffs? I have no clue. Will the Cincinnati Bengals make the playoffs? I have no clue. I already have a money line on the uh my Dallas Cowboys going to the conference championships and NFC, hundred bucks on it. Wonder how that. I wonder how that is. Kind of excited to see what happens there. So now we're going to go. I'm going to try to get this to be a long podcast. I haven't done a long podcast in a while. But hopefully everybody can bear with me. I'm sure nobody really listens like my brother says. My brother's told me that no one ever listens to the whole daggone thing anyway. So I'm just spinning my wheels, I guess. Or just keeping myself fresh for if I get that job down in Cincinnati um, being on air. Anyways, hopefully I do. And hopefully my boss is listening. <laughs> or the, the my future boss, hopefully. Anyways, this is coming off of the ringer. Uh, Nora Prinkyote. Uh This happened this morning. Aaron Rodgers, this is going to be our topic of the day. Again, like I said, I'm in Wisconsin, so we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers and this topic of conversation. And I have a really cool special for you guys in the next segment. And I just thought of this last week. And when I broke my phone, I said, you know what? When I get a new phone, I'm going to be doing this uh, new new segment, new topic. Uh, but you'll find out here, just kind of a little teaser that I want to give you guys. So that way you can listen. And then on this next segment after Aaron Rodgers, be listening closely because it's going to be a nice special for you guys. I'm real excited. Hopefully, you'll see get get more listeners, get more viewers, and all that stuff. So, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, and the limitations of an NFL trade demand. The Packers quarterback and Falcons wide receiver have provided some fun um, during this off season. So, late spring into early summer is a sleepy period of the NFL calendar. Not much is happening. Most players at OTAs, mini camps, like we just talked about, voluntarily. So obviously, Aaron Rodgers was in uh, what was it? He was in uh, Hawaii, which I'm not hating on that at all. 
There's Aaron Rodgers' man bun, a symbol of player empowerment. It says, oh, that is funny. I like that. That's a good, this is like a good little article about that. But Aaron Rodgers, where is he going to go? Is he going to stay? I don't, I have no clue. The future of Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones. Biggest remaining offseason priority for each NFL team. This is off CBS. We're fast approaching the deadline. Free agency and drafts are coming up. Oh, that, that's the free agency and the draft are in our mirror mirrors. Clubs are in the midst of OTAs right now, like what Bernard just talked about. Blow, we're going to talk, uh, take a... Oh, here we go. Arizona Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald's future. Um, there's Julio Jones. What to do with Julio? Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Obviously, I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I'm sitting here trying to look at these different articles because I wasn't going to read this one article, but apparently it's not what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about my opinion on the whole subject. So I, I don't even know. Maybe it's just a bunch of BS stuff that's going on with the organization and with him. Or maybe he's just become one of those superstars that he thinks that he can do whatever he wants. It's not all just one-sided. What, what if Aaron Rodgers is the one being a dick on this whole, whole thing? What if Green Bay is just willing to bend for him at all, whatever he wants to do, but Aaron Rodgers is saying no? Who knows? I don't know. We don't really know what's going on behind the scenes because I'm not in the Green Bay Packers organization. But we're just going off of what people are are saying and assuming. You know what what they say about assuming something? It makes an ass out of you and me. There you go. That's to all you libtards. Assuming stuff and taking stuff off the top of the topic of conversation and then acting like you know what you're talking about. But you don't. So anyways, um, he's from Chico, California. He's 6'2". Went to Berkeley. Uh, let's see, he's 37, so he is my age. He's actually, he's actually only two months older than me, by the way. So, six intriguing NFL storylines to follow at minicamp. We're talking about that. Packers, uh, tight end, Robert Tanyan, ready to win a Super Bowl. This was six days ago. And then the bold predictions of where they're going to be at and what they're going to do. He's 225, didn't know that. 17 years experience. So 220 isn't too bad of a weight for 6'2". I'm a little bit bigger than that. I'm about 235. I actually lost 10 pounds. Um, there you go. Let's look at this one right here. I just found a nice little article here by Josh Hill. This is all fan-sided. Fans, I don't even think they get paid for that because I thought about doing a uh, writing articles for fan-sided, but I, don't th- I think you just get paid according to how many viewers you get or something like that. I don't know. But Packers Insider says Aaron Rodgers will never play for Green Bay again, it says. So this might be, uh, Josh Hill might be onto something here. This is 21 hours ago. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' trade has been talked about since the NFL draft, but a Packers Insider has a grim update for fans hoping to see the MVP return to Green Bay. Uh-oh, what's this about? Mr. Josh Hill. If Green Bay Packers fans were looking for a positive update in the ongoing Aaron Rodgers saga, they might not want to listen to what the team's beat writer has to say about the matter. So here we go. I guess we're going to figure out what's going on. And you got the inside scoop right here. Rodgers requested a trade on the night of the NFL draft, planting of the flag moment that was a long time coming for the MVP. The animosity between Rodgers and the Packers extends far beyond the drafting of Jordan Love in 2021. 
Uh, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks, the blow blowout loss in NFC Championship game to the 49ers, and most recently the debacle at the end of the NFC Championship game loss to the Buccaneers. It's a list that goes on and on. Rodgers has apparently had enough. But even as he continues to disassociate himself with the team, calling out general manager Brian Gutkunst in an interview with Kenny Mayne. Aaron Rodgers trade update from Packers Insider. This is about this is from Rob Demofsky. It's here to squash that hope. While appearing on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and Demofsky confidently said that he believes Aaron Rodgers has played his final down with Green Bay. So this is coming from Patrick Sheldon um, off Twitter. Rob Demofsky just said on Cap and Hood that he does not think Rodgers will ever play for Green Bay again. Thinks he's too dug in. Wow, it says. This isn't information that he's reporting directly from a source like Rodgers. Rather, it's simply a read on the situation. So this is just Demofsky's take of what's going on with the Green Bay Packers organization and Aaron Rodgers, and this is his opinion, apparently, of what he thinks is going to happen. And he thinks Aaron Rodgers is done. So there you have it. Don't yell at me if it happens. Don't yell at me if they if Aaron Rodgers plays again in Green Bay. Domofsky is the one that said it. Go after Domofsky. But again, this is just here saying what, what us reporters and analysts all do. We just go off and take something and run with it and hopefully it happens and hopefully it doesn't but it's juicy enough to hit people talk about it ESPN talking about it all the time everybody up here in Green Bay is talking about it where's Aaron Rodgers gonna go what's he doing is he staying I don't know is Green Bay gonna make it to the conference championship again negative I don't think they will So this is the moment everybody's been waiting for. If you've been listening to my podcast, I don't really try to change it up that much. I usually end with like a dad joke of the day or whatever and do like a couple jokes at the end of my podcast, but I'm doing something different. It just popped in my head and we're going to go throughout the league and I'm just going to talk about this. Are you re- are you guys ready for this? Because I'm very excited about this. Very, very excited about this. So this is a special this is a, a football twist, or maybe I might just do any sports. Um, but what we're going to do is where are they now? And we're doing Ohio State alum. Since we're going to be, we, since we stayed in Ohio the whole entire time, and I did a little homer up here in Madison for the Aaron Rodgers topic of conversation in the last segment, I told you guys in the beginning of the last segment that we're going to have something special for you guys. Where are they now? The Ohio State alum edition. Are you guys ready for this? What happened to Maurice Claret? And where is he? If you remember, Maurice Claret was probably one of the most dominant running backs of all time at the Ohio State. But he only lasted like, what, a year? And he got in trouble with smoking pot and all that stuff. And he was gone. Just banished. Didn't hear from him again. The last thing... I haven't read this article yet, but the last thing I heard... Is that he was like going? He was like out in like Colorado or something, Nebraska, playing for like a little small football team. I don't know, but we'll see what happens. This was actually just back in May. This is written by Carl Rasmussen off the league. So I'm I'm glad we found this off of FanBuzz.com. If you want to read the article, 
This was May 1st um, of this year. So it's only been about a month old. Former Ohio State Buckeyes running back Maurice Corlett looked destined to become an NFL superstar, it said. He was a five-star recruit out of Youngstown. Took his talents to Columbus. Was to spend his freshman year dominating opposing defenses. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's videos up here on here of YouTube too. If you don't, if you're a younger generation, Gen Z, and you are a Buckeyes fan, you need to look up Maurice Claret. Thank you, please. However, just as quick as he came, he disappeared. He got in some hot water, like I told you, when he did, when he smoked, he was smoking um weed or whatever, and he got in trouble for it. He was the nation's number five running back in the class of 2002. Start at Warren G. Harding High School. Earned a USA Today Offensive Player of the Year. And that's when Jim Tressel got him for Ohio State. Claret chose the Buckeyes over top tiers such as Notre Dame and Miami. Claret started as a running back at Ohio State as a freshman. The first to do so since 1943. He helped lead Ohio State to the undefeated record BCS National Championship victory over the Miami Hurricanes. Again, that was in 2002. And that one dude hurt his knee on that game, by the way. The uh, Miami Hurricanes running back. I forget his name. Willis McGahee, I believe. Um, the Fiesta Bowl went over Ohio State's first national title victory in 34 years. Um, Maurice Claret rushed for 1,237 yards and 16 touchdowns, two receiving scores. Over the offseason, heading into his sophomore year, Claret was discovered having accepted thousands of dollars worth of illegal benefits. I did not know that. I thought he was, I thought he got suspended for the drug use, but I guess he did take a lot of money. Little did he know he had just played his first and last season for the Buckeyes. He only played one year, like I said. Suspended by the team and eventually dismissed from the program as a result of his actions. Uh, maybe it's not going to talk about how he's, he was doing drugs or uh, how it, because I just heard it was just weed, but I guess he got money off of it too, uh, from taking money off of illegal benefits. Claret uh, then turned to the NFL, hoping to bypass the rule that required players to wait three years, but that didn't happen. Despite a judge denying his appeal to enter the NFL's draft in 2004, Claret was able to get himself into the draft pool in 2005. Okay. Um, interest in Claret was minimal, particularly after his disappointing showing at the NFL Combine. player who was uh, once projected as first-round pick fell to third. He was selected by Denver Broncos. Uh, pick many thought was still a reach for the running back. Some experts and expected him to land with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Claret struggled to contribute to Denver despite having signed a four-year deal with the franchise. Football player didn't make it past training camp and was cut. There's Maurice Claret now at a driving range hitting some golf balls. This is on Instagram. 106 likes. That's not too great. <laughs> 2006, charged with aggravated robbery. Sentenced to seven and a half years in prison. After serving more than three years of his sentence, Claret was released. As a free man, Claret began traveling the country to share his story with high schools and colleges. Uh, he also played a spell at UFO Omaha Nighthawks. That's the one I was talking about in Nebraska. Before walking away from football, and Claret then found the founded the Red Zone, which focuses on addressing behavioral health and mental health issues. That's really cool for youth back in Claret's hometown of Youngstown. In addition to uh, his work for the Red Zone, Claret wrote a book, One and Done, How My Life Started When My Football Career Ended. Additionally, Claret was featured to the popular ESPN documentary Youngstown Boys, which tells the story of Claret and Trestle, both of whom hail from Youngstown in the past they walked at Ohio State. Another guy from uh, Youngstown was um, Urban Meyer. 
Urban Myers for Youngstown. So in 2018, Claret launched a podcast called Business and Biceps with Corey Gregory and John Fosco, which targets people who want to be entrepreneurs and aspire to better themselves. And there you go. Where is Maurice Claret now? He has wrote a book. He's been on ESPN's documentary, Youngstown Boys. And in 2018, he has started a podcast. I believe it's still going on today. And I looks like he's still, he's doing that red zone organization for behavioral uh, health and mental health issues. Good for him in Youngstown. So he's doing good. So it looks like he's doing good. He bounced back. It's a feel good story. And I'm kind of anxious to see, I might watch this Youngstown Boys tonight uh, just to get a glimpse of Marisa Claret's life, career, agony, defeat, and triumph over all this uh, negativity that he has. I'm, I'm just glad that he got over all this. I did not know. Uh, I'm glad I read this article. I feel really good about uh, Maurice Claret's career now. So again, where are they now? Ohio State alum edition. And we're going to look at three players. So that was Maurice Claret. Are you ready for the next one? I, mean, I might just keep it going here because I was going to end that segment. But we're going to go ahead and do a couple Bear with me. Sorry. I should. Here we go. So we did Maurice Corrette. Now, who are we going to go to? We're going to Eddie George. He was a beast. I remember watching him back in the day. He's 47 years old, six foot three. Where is Eddie George now? Okay, where? That's, oops. So, I'm sorry. Um, bear with me. I was going to be in the new head coach football at Tennessee State. Okay, I did not know that. There is an up-to-date right here. This just happened in April. Eddie George is going to be the new head coach at Tennessee State. So that's cool. So he has a coaching uh, career now. So here we go. Trying to find the newest article. This is off the Buckeyes wire from Josh Keatley. Got to give my people props. This was a couple months ago, though. Uh, there you go. So if you're not aware of who Eddie George is, then you are not a true Ohio State football fan. <laughs> there you go. Just provide a brief recap. George is one of the greatest running backs in college football history. He learned a Heisman. He, uh, he was a Heisman Trophy winner in 1995. Walter Camp Award, Maxwell Award, Doak Walker Award, Big Ten Most Valuable Player Award, and of course, All-American Honors. As many are aware, George went on to a very successful NFL career with the Tennessee Titans. Now he's a head coach for the Tennessee State Tigers. This was, uh, say according to sources that have spoken to stadium's Brett McMurphy. So the Tigers compete in the Ohio Valley Conference and are two and four in the middle of their spring schedule. The pandemic forced them to reschedule their season from the fall. Is this a 2021? Yes, it is a 2021. So the Tigers compete, uh, let's see. George will actually face another former NFL star on September 11th. Deion Sanders, woo! who was in his first season as a head coach with Jackson State. So you got Eddie George versus Deion Sanders, one of the greatest football players of all time. Two, both of them, Hall of Famers. Both of them uh, star college athletes. Deion Sanders, of course, played for the Cincinnati Reds, was a two-star athlete for baseball and football. Love Deion Sanders. Played for my Dallas Cowboys, obviously, with a corner. Started his career where? 
and Atlanta Falcons, if you didn't know that. Deion Sanders started in Atlanta. So Brett McMurphy here, a tweet here. Former Tennessee Titans running back Eddie George will be your new coach at Tennessee State. Sources told at Stadium. TSU currently coached by Rod Reed plays Southeast Missouri today in final game of spring. George, who has no coaching experience, is first major hired by AD Mickey Allen. That's pretty cool. Hopefully, take a look at Tennessee State, how Eddie George is going to do this year. I'm kind of excited about that. So where are they now? Eddie George is a uh, college coach. Tennessee State. So here we go. We're going to find a number. We're going to do one more here. Maybe I don't know if I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if they're going to do like just three. Maybe I should just do. Uh, what do you guys think about the where are they now topic of the house state edition? I'm probably going to do like different colleges, different NFL teams, different other teams. Where are they now from different uh, top three names from that team? So I, I think um, three is good enough. I'm not sure. So you guys just let me know what you guys think. So here we go. Archie Griffin, the only play, player to win two Heismans is Archie Griffin. So where is he now? Glad you said something. This is again, all fan buzz. Like fan buzz is doing these like nice little Ohio State articles. There's Carl Rasmussen. What's up, man? I, I got to look you up on LinkedIn. So, um, Say what's up to you. Thanks for these articles. This was just a couple months ago. I like how he's been doing. He's must have thought of this too, um, a couple months ago. That's pretty cool. This is back in March. This is off the league. Where are they now? Archie Griffin made the Heisman history. Like I told you, he won two. The only player to ever win two Heismans. While he appeared to be in line for a successful NFL career, his fortune quickly turned. Griffin had a bright future in football, but things never panned out, and a former OSU superstar ultimately went bankrupt before the age of 30. So where is Archie Griffin now? And this is a nice uh, classic tailback. Uh, Archie Griffin, YouTube. Check it out. Archie Griffin played fullback in high school at Eastmore Academy in Ohio before taking his talents to Ohio State University and play for head coach Woody Hayes. He was strongly considering attending Northwestern before being lured to Columbus. After two impressive seasons as a freshman and a sophomore, Griffin truly took off as a junior. He rushed for 1,695 yards, 12 touchdowns in 1974, helping lead the Buckeyes to a joint Big Ten title with Michigan and winning his first Heisman Trophy. In 1975, Griffin racked up 1,450 rushing yards and became the first player to win a second Heisman Trophy despite logging just four rushing touchdowns. He was a three-time consensus All-American, Big Ten MVP twice, Named a United Press Player of the Year in 74 and 75, Griffin is the only player ever to start in four Rose Bowl games, having featured in the game against USC three times. At the end of Griffin's college career in Columbus, he held the NCAA record for career rushing yards and was considered one of the greatest college football players ever. The star tailback was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame in 1986. Archie Griffin declared uh, for the NFL draft in 1976 after his senior season and was a lock to be the first-round pick after his dominance in college. Cincinnati Bengals selected him with the 24th overall pick with the hopes of him being a professional football star, too. His career as an NFL player was far less successful. He uh, managed three touchdowns as a rookie. He failed to score in his next four seasons in the league. Griffin played in the 1982 Super Bowl though he was merely a utility tailback by that point. 
He was out of the football. By the time he turned 28 and failing uh, to find his football in the league, Archie Griffin had some financial woes during his uh, playing career, filing for bankruptcy after some failed business ventures. He's since recovered financially, landing jobs within Ohio State's athletic department. Griffin served as the uh, program's AD and a CEO of the Ohio State's uh, University Alumni Association for 11 years. Griffin moved to being a senior advisor for the Ohio State Office of Advancement and still attends the Heisman Trophy ceremonies in New York. So there you go. Where are they now? Archie Griffin. We went through Maurice Claret, Eddie George, and Archie Griffin. So hopefully you guys like that segment. Let me guys know. Tell me what you think about that whole thing. Because that was that was fun for me, learning all these different players and where are they now. So, AJ, let's talk sports. What's up? Let me know.